Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Numbers are in from uh, ABC is ESPN Disney. Over 8 million people tuned in to watch the uh, Oklahoma Sooners play the Texas Longhorns on Saturday. Ranks as the second best Red River rivalry game for total number of viewers, only behind 2009. Seventh. Oh, makes sense. It's the seventh best game this season as far as audience. It was up 134% from last year's matchup that the Longhorns won 49 to nothing. And it was the first time since, what, 08 they were both 5-0? and Yes. Yeah. Audience peaked with 11.1 million <clears throat> viewers at the end of the game, which is that's what makes for good ratings, right? It's a, it's a, a lot of people tune in, but then everybody sticks with it and more people come. Yeah, the, it crescendos, right? Which that game certainly did. Toward the end, yeah. When people are oh. like, oh, I'm missing it. And then they go on social media and go, damn, that game's good. You know what? I got to get to a TV. Yeah, well, you know, some yeah. people aren't like us that watch every play of every game. Some people, oh, yeah, I forgot that was on, and they come to it late. And, you know, actually, their younger generation, that's how they watch sports. Yeah, they don't They don't appointment view for three, four straight hours. They really just kind of go through viral trends and go, oh, this is a good game. I got, I'll tune in now. So they come in now. That's a younger generation thing. It's really weird, but that's just a new generation. They got too many options. They have to, we, we grew up in a generation where you had to watch the game. That was all that was on. Now, yeah, that's right. And you can go watch right. whatever the hell you want to watch when you want to watch it, by the way. When you want to watch it. Yeah. That, uh, by the way, speaking of when you want to watch it, our new uh, podcast, the uh, Eyes on Texas hey. multicast, myself and Mike Craven, will be out today. Nice. Today, nice. a full recap, Sark Sound, all the thoughts on the uh, Red River rivalry, the autopsy of it, mm. what went good, what went bad, and what's man, to come. What did Mike think of it? A little tease, uh, little you teaser. know, Mike's pretty pragmatic, and know, he, he said, you know, it's a long season, and, uh, you know, kind of like very much like we said, what. Uh, who can beat Texas in this game? Texas. Texas can beat Texas because I, I take nothing away from Oklahoma for, for one iota, but you know they're giving, you know, putting Superman capes on their left tackle for blocking two guys. Well, two guys came right at him. Uh, that's doable when you're 325 pounds and they come right at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a mistake on Texas, and those are mistakes were common throughout the game uh, for Texas, and they still almost won the football game. So I think that gives you the confidence. But at the same time, what's Sark going to do about it right now that's going to prevent it from happening again? In a big moment. Down oh, he's the got road. this bye week to figure some things out. I think red zone is your number one issue you got to figure out because I think that's the number one reason you lost the be. game. And and you were 108th, by the way, in touchdown percentage going into that uh, Texas now game. Like 120. Now you're 122. You're wow. 122nd in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. When you consider the weapons available to Texas, that may be. The most shameful, honestly, indictment. Outlier stat. Yes, of the of the inefficiency of the Texas office. Like, dude, you got all season long. You've had J T. Sanders, X Man, A D. Mitchell, Jonathan Brooks is like one of the top five best running backs in the country right now. Yeah, third, and, second, and, in total rushing. And yards. that was a surprise. You didn't even plan on that. And you got the biggest offensive line in college football. Sorry, sorry, in Big Twelve, one of the biggest ones in college football. And yet, in the red zone, when things condense. <sighs> You just can't seem to get it done. It's getting worse, by the way, too. Yes. It's actually now starting to get worse, or at least it peaked. Trending down. you got to fix that. That's the number one. That's number one. Goal is to fix it. Yeah. And challenge your offensive line. If you can't get a yard, that number would be a little bit better if you could get a yard from the yard line three Come times. On. Yep. Sark, and we'll hear that coming up again. Sark did say, yeah, it sucked. It sucked. It was not good uh, that we did that. Uh, so that needs to get fixed. And, I'm, you know, I, the one thing that really stood out to me 
you know, the penalties were, were you know, that's that's out of character. they got to fix that, but that's fixable, and they've shown the ability to be a clean team. The missed tackles, Rod. I mean, missed, missed tackles, tackles Missed tackles, yeah, man. How many right yards after catch and yards? Even I mean, the whole game, the yes. missed tackles. Jalen Ford, I mean, I think they underestimated the, the, the shake uh, and the speed and the athleticism mm-hmm. of Dylan Gabriel. I really do. I think they underestimated it, and they, by the time they caught up, it was he was 115 yards later. <laughs> yes. Well, it should have taken him that long, but you're right, because – I would say I, I wouldn't track the additional yardage gained after the missed tackles because Pro Football Focus has them at 13. Everybody's got a different de- definition of missed tackle. I'm pretty cons- I'm pretty conservative. Like if you didn't, if you were so, if your angle to the football was so damn bad that you didn't even attempt to tackle because you took yourself out of the play, I don't count it as a missed tackle. It's just a bad angle. Which, by the way, E, lots of bad angles in that football game, too. Yeah, when guys right. didn't even miss tackles, he was just so he was so out of the play based on the uh, how bad angle that I couldn't count as a missed tackle. He just took himself out of the play. So there was some of that That's going on, That's maybe too. what I was seeing in real time and watch on the rewatches. Not just missed tackles, but, man, you took a terrible angle took a terrible on angle play. <laughs> so you didn't even have a chance to make the tackle. So, uh, so I didn't count terrible angles. I just counted uh, additional yards after missed tackles. I got 133. Oh, additional yards after missed tackles. And the biggest one being uh, Dylan Gabriel in that 46-yarder. Because remember, he shakes Jalen Ford in the hole on one of those. Yeah, juked him, those, went light, came back left. Yeah, that quarterback draw, and it just, ooh. Yeah, he left Jalen Ford just kind of sitting still. Well, that's one. Look, I, we know what kind of competitor Jalen Ford is. He's going to stew on that for a week. That, yes, that he game, is. he did not play his best. Uh, whatever the reasons being, um, you know, he did not play all Big 12 football, and he's been playing like an All-American. He didn't even play all Big 12-level football in that game. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we we quote and t- cite our guy C.J. Vogel over at uh, Football Brainiacs. Yeah, C.J.'s a good follow. He got this stat. Not only are Longhorns now 120th in red zone offense in the country, they're 12th in the 14-team Big 12 right now. In the touchdown percentage in the red zone? Yeah, Big 12 teams ranked <laughs> percentage of red zone trips that result in a TD through six weeks, Texas – Forty-five point eight percent. So I'm saying that's Cincinnati and Baylor, the two behind them. Yeah, you know, Kansas State's at eighty percent. Kansas State's eighty percent. No, percent. It 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 would. It, it, listen, if if Texas didn't have so many elite, well, you got guys who are going to be drafting the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Multiple guys on your office right now who are going to be drafting the first round of this uh, next upcoming NFL draft, and, and maybe first two rounds, I should say, right? Ad Mitchell, X Man, J T Sanders. Oh, that's yeah. That that's a that's immense indictment of the the lack of creativity and innovation in the red zone. That's so I, the uh, that's the biggest. Um, they, the Longhorns to this point for me through six games with six to go have, have checked a lot of boxes for mm-hmm. me this year. But this was that one is glaring. That's the biggest weakness right now. That is now glaring and, for the and, offense. Uh, can, can did we have that Sark statement or was that part of his opening statement talking about the goal line offense? Uh, no, uh, we got we got it. He, he actually gets into the. the Let's go- play number six here because yeah. since we're on it, I think it's good it's to get Sark offense. with. Uh, he's not denying this, by the way. Sark's not sitting there going, "Oh no, we uh, we're good." No, no, he's they got to get it fixed. Here's Sark. I think I think it's a lot of things. I think the first first aspect of it is you know we've already watched every series and every snap we've had all year in the red zone. Uh, we watched it in sequence of how it actually has occurred in game. We watched it by concept, the different concepts that we're running. Uh, and then ultimately it's, okay, what are we doing to make sure that we're putting our players in the best position to be successful? Um, 
sometimes a, a, a new style of scheme is in their best interest predicated on what we're getting. Sometimes it's doing what they know really well so that they have answers to the whatever look they could get from a defensive perspective. So there's a lot of levels to that. Then it's looking at the play caller and the sequencing of how I'm calling those plays. Uh, but we're drilling down on it to every level. That's what the bye week is, is really good for. You have more time to do that type of stuff. Um, and I'm, I feel very comfortable in the fact that we'll have, a, we'll have a good plan in the second half of the season for the players. Um, because like I just told the staff, we're moving the ball too well offensively right now not to have more points on the board. And so we need to be, we need to be more effective in the red area for sure. Yeah. What you just I, said, Rod, we're, we're, we're too elite and we're moving the ball up and down the field and then we get jammed up down there. But you're getting like 400, 500 yards of offense in these conference games. Uh, yeah, um, there's no question you need to be scoring more points. And I, we don't know what it is. I'm glad he's what he's talking about there, looking at every play from, a di- from, uh, from concept to concept, looking at every play from personnel grouping, every play in the red zone from formation. He's breaking it down analytically. And they're going to try they'll, – they'll have the numbers, exactly what concepts have the highest success rates and the most productivity, what personnel packages, what formations have the highest success rates, productivity in the red zone. And hopefully they're going to try to isolate some of those concepts, personnel groupings, and formations and just essentially play the hits, right? <laughs> just play use what's working there a lot more than some of the other concepts that are less successful and less effective. But also, I love that he says he's going to come at it from a play caller's perspective as well, because what are your tendencies and habits as a play caller that obviously are contributing to this this lack of efficiency in the red zone? And he's got to figure that out. That's a man the mirror moment for him. I think a lot of it is, you. I think he should go back to last season and 2021 in terms of this analytical deep dive and figure out how many, how much of your red zone mentality and how much of your conceptual kind of red zone identity was based on, and your play calling habits were based on Rojo and Bijan. You have special talents there. Right, and then now you may have still kind of kept some of that, even though you don't have Rojo and Bijan, you've kept some of those habitual tendencies, and I think you would need to break those and now focus on the talent you have now. I'm not saying he's not, but I do think it was much easier when in the red zone area when you have Rojo and Bijan because the, you got the answers to the test. I mean, just give it to Rojo and Bijan. Yeah. And now that's not necessarily the case, so I think that may have something to do with it too. But I think they will figure it out, but there's no question. The biggest issues to work on in the bye week, you brought up uh, tackling on defense. E, I think you're around the money. By the way, Texas is averaging 10, 10 missed tackles a game. Yeah, that's got to get better. Yeah, They're they, such they a good tackling team. Yeah, and coverage early. bus. They had multiple coverage busts in that game against Oklahoma in the last drive. They had a coverage bus, two coverage busts on their last drive, and a bus in the front with gap integrity. That's something they got to get fixed up. So communication on the back end and tackles on defense and red zone on offense. That's those are your projects in the bye week. No question about it. And then you know, I think red zone defense too, Rod. I mean, because I, I think the red zone offense, but man, Oklahoma made it look easy in the red zone against they Texas. Yeah. They scored thirty four points when they got down there. the The first touchdown, the Dylan Gabriel nine yard run, was too easy. Yeah. Obviously, we know the blown coverage on the touchdown to win the game was too easy. Um, you know, how many times you see in, at every level of football, NFL, even guys from the five yard line trying to find an open receiver in the end zone, and there's no one open because they mm-hmm. they flooded the end zone with with, with defenders. And Texas can't can't protect one corner. That's just that's, that that stuff you got to get fixed because okay. and the the unfortunate part is Texas fans will be frustrated about the defense. Realize the Oklahoma Sooners scored a touchdown four minutes into the third quarter and didn't score again until that touchdown. 
Ah, the defense yep. actually did a pretty darn good job in third quarter into the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of playing pretty good defense until the critical final series, which I know. And you were outscored thirty-four to three in the red zone. How are you even in the game with three turnovers and four and a, and a, and a turnover on downs? Yeah, and nine penalties. I mean, there's really no way you should be in the game. This should be a pretty easy coaching two weeks for Sark. I agree. To, no, I'm with to you make on it that. pretty simple yeah. on these guys. Hey, y'all, we're pretty good unless we beat ourselves. We're pretty good unless we beat Texas. Because the only team that can beat Texas on their schedule the rest of the way in the regular season is Texas. Yep. And that was even the case on Saturday. And they beat Texas. All right, Rod. So we'll get that. I know you got to go behind the burn orange curtain or take us behind the burn orange curtain one more time. Here's a text that says, Dak is whack. Dak is whack. Jerry is delusional. Yeah. Dak Prescott sucks. Oh. <laughs> hey, did you find that whole quote? Dak Prescott sucks. I want, you, I want to play this, Rod, because it'll flip to his Jerry Jones also enraged Cowboy fans this morning by going on the radio show and saying exactly what he probably had I to know. say. I'm looking for it. They haven't put out the audio yet. They never do. you got to go dig for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here is um, – that, that's Dante Widner, right? He is a former Ohio State Buckeye. He played for the 49ers. He's, He's a good player. Made a couple of, but, few pro bros. He's a good player. But, you know, the, we, we pulled the, the Dak sucks. But I want your thoughts from a DB, Rod, who played the National Football League. Listen to what he says. His analysis of why he thinks he sucks, I think, is 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 a is a worthy conversation. Uh, listen to what he says after he says the the bombshell that Dak Prescott sucks. Dak Prescott sucks. Oh my God. Period. Right? They talk so much about Dak Prescott being a top tier quarterback, franchise guy. I don't see it. I see them trying to cover up for what he lacks. A lot of quick throws, cutting half of the field off and giving him easy throws. Other than that, he's not a quarterback that can drop back and really take advantage of a defense and, and, and carve it up. And today we've seen it. The 49ers defense made him look like a Tier 4 quarterback. Ooh. So what does that mean? Mm. When do, you, do you cut down one, one half of the field? Half field reads. Um, Texas will do it at times with Quinn, too, just to make the quarterbacks. It, not a full read progression would be going you know, from your first read to your third or your fourth read. And sometimes that first read could be uh, from the boundary side, and that third or fourth read could be on the field side. right? Uh, you, and, you're, and it's based on the progression of the routes they develop downfield. Uh, it's supposed to be based on timing and footwork, and you're trying to be precise, and you want all that working together in, in you know, continuity. You want all that to work in synchronicity if you will and basically what you do for the quarterbacks if you want to simplify that process for them so they don't have to have a full field progression read which some quarterbacks just can't do they can't get through it all it's too much trying too much of them trying to process and combining that with the footwork and the mechanics and by the way trying to process the pass rush that's your pocket presence on where the defenders are coming from and how to uh move in the pocket uh, that's a lot for a lot of quarterbacks to have to deal with so sometimes for younger quarterbacks you just cut the field in half now for Dak the troubling thing is him being the most tenured what quarterback starting quarterback in the NFC um, he's a problem. he's supposed to be at this point, you know, a quarterback. You don't necessarily have to simplify things for him. And since the quarter, it seems like the Cowboys are are going out of their way with the Texas Coast offense to simplify it for Dak, making it more Dak friendly, but also make it more, more rudimentary. And if you make it more rudimentary, you make it easier to defend. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, you're not exotic. You're not stressing the defense. Yeah. Um, Ed, maybe that's what a guy like C.D. Lamb is, is frustrated with, that you, that we're making it too easy on these guys, y'all, to try to make it as easy on our quarterback as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and you're watching other 
young, kind of like Kellen Moore was. Young, ben Johnson at the Detroit yeah, Lions. Be real creative <laughs> with what they're doing. Really creative. Yeah. with. And then all of a sudden, Jared Goff looks like a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yes, he does. Brock Purdy looks like a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Now, you know, because people will say, well, the Niners have all these weapons. Well, Cowboys have weapons. Cowboys not are not weaponless. Brandon Cooks, CeeDee Lamb, yeah, I mean, Tony Pollard. This is about the coach and the play caller and the quarterback, I think, is a, a strong thing to say. Here is an interesting story that's out this morning, something we already talked about, but three Kirk Cousins trade destinations, Rod. If at 1-4 and four, with Justin Jefferson headed to IR, which means he will be out the next four games, we all know the entire offense is built around him mm-hmm. and his ability to get open and catch passes. Now that's going to be falling to rookie Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, they don't run the ball at all, no, so that's a problem. He is their offense. He and Jordan Addison pretty much have yeah. the offense. So New York Jets would be the obvious. Would the Jets jump in there? Uh, New England Patriots is the name that's been mentioned. Ooh. Um, because Bill Belichick has soured on Mac Ooh, Jones. I like this third one, though. And the third one is the Atlanta Falcons. That is pretty sexy. That is, honestly. Hey, they wouldn't do that. What would you I well, like? Look, that. If you're Arthur Blank and you say, look, we believe in this Desmond Ritter character, but he still needs time. Mm. We're pretty good. I'll say this. How about this for the Falcons? You learned this if you watched them play the Texans on Sunday, as I did, and I know Rod did. They improved from 27th in defense one year ago to 7th right now. Seventh in total defense. Yeah. They invested a lot of money in their defense. They brought in Jesse Bates to play safety. They mm-hmm. brought in uh, uh, three to three or four defensive linemen. They're much better on defense. They are much better on defense. And their offense is very exotic. It's not as effective right now, but in terms of exotic weapons, they're right behind 49ers, actually, an exotic weaponry. And and Dylan Gabe, and Desmond Ritter played well against Houston. Mm-hmm. And maybe that continues. But Plays if you're the Falcons, home, like you you're said. like, you know what? Look at this division. we got Baker Mayfield we got to beat. And the uh, Saints are off to a decent start. Got a shot. Yeah, we would. And again, Kirk Cousins is a one-year guy, right? He, but again, can he can you learn your 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 offense on the fly? He can. He's a smart. He's smart. He is a smart. Yeah, guy. Kirk Cousins is actually. Unless you think person. you can win a Super Bowl this year, there's no reason doing that. Which I don't think. I don't think they think they can. They do may that. just want to make the playoffs, though. I mean, they want to break through because this is a year the NFC South is a bit unsettled. It ain't gonna be unsettled I, for forever. I think they can make the playoffs. It doesn't matter. They I could do, probably here's could. what I know. They probably could, yeah. These are these are opinions. Here's the thing. That's why I would not. Here's how the Falcons could get involved. Because look, the coaches know behind the scenes, Rod. Coaches know of players what the ceiling is of a Desmond Ritter. They yes, know it more than anybody. They do. Yeah. And if there is indeed a cap on what Desmond Ritter can be, you draft him in the third round out of Cincinnati. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's not making a lot of money. You're not risking hurting his feelings by <laughs> any stretch. No. Um, now he's you know you, you cut Marcus Mariota last year to make room for him and see what he could do. If you feel like there is indeed a ceiling, and Kirk Cousins not only could be your quarterback now, but maybe you'd want to think about signing him beyond that because you're going to win too many games this year to get into that quarterback sweepstakes because you're true. you're pretty good. Yeah. Uh, would you consider it? And you know who knows that is Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith knows. You know, is this guy even as good as Ryan Tannehill, who I mm-hmm. had in Tennessee? Can he even be that? Or if he thinks Devin really does have a high ceiling that they're just going to haven't tapped into yet, then you don't even think about it. But if you're the coaches, always know. And they don't ask a lot from their quarterback because they run the ball so much. They do. They run the ball just run heavy as any team in the league. And to your point, E, about the Falcons defense, I got a stat for you. The Falcons have gone 14 straight games without allowing more than 25 points. That is tied for the longest streak in the NFL since 2013 when the 49ers did it with 17 games. Well, what you that know, defense ain't bad. 
Well, I mean, they, they get they're much better now. Well, and as Ty says, you're not going to win the Super Bowl. But only one team wins the Super Bowl every year. You know, for the Atlanta Falcons to make the playoffs. That, that's pretty much. Their, their fan base for would, as bad as they've oh, been. Their fan base would go crazy if they made the playoffs. Right, and, and, and Desmond Ritter's <laughs> on a rookie contract. He's not like if Kirk Cousins comes in and, and can help, that he you can't go back to Desmond Ritter next year. And say, look, Desmond, we just felt like we needed a more experienced veteran right now to to bring us along. You're still our guy. I mean, you know, again, it's the NFL, not for long, Lee. And and by the way, Kirk Cousins, he's playing well. They suck right now. They're one and four, but he's got 13 touchdown passes, guys. He, how about this? The only quarterbacks in NFL history to throw 13 plus touchdown passes during a one and four stretch. It's a one and four start, not one and four. Stretch, one and four start. Drew Brees did it. He did four. He had 14 in 2012. And Kirk Cousins is second with 13 in 2022. Well, I'd at least consider it. And obviously the New England thing, I don't think they're good enough with Kirk Cousins. And the Jets mm. would obviously be the sexy play Same. because uh, Aaron Rodgers is sitting around on crutches and watching all this. And the Jets did win last week. They've won some games based just on their defense, right? They're finding ways. Hey, they beat Sean Payton. And they they beat trash Josh talk. Allen. They've got a couple <laughs> wins here. And that division is Miami and Buffalo right now. And you already own one win over Buffalo. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. In the, they had a chance to beat the Chiefs, remember? Let's always say, mm-hmm. true, fair to remind people that the uh, Kirk Cousins in the last year of his deal. It's not like you're inheriting some long contract with him. Very true. He's playing out the final year, which is would be in Minnesota's best interest to move him on. Because mm-hmm. with him, you might win too many games and knock yourself out of a high quarterback draft pick. And, uh, you know, because as I said earlier about the Vikings, they have a coach who's brand new, who just won 13 games a year ago, right? Had his team in the playoffs. But can, can you know, Kevin O'Connell, whatever you think of him, he can say, look, guys, we still we need a better roster right now. Uh, we, we overachieved last year. We found a way, but we need to be thinking big picture. So mm-hmm. the coach has a little bit of leash here, and the general manager has a little bit of leash here. So if you traded him and your fans be like, man, okay, we get it. We get it. We need to find the future at quarterback because it's not Kirk Cousins and uh, try to you know get a draft pick from the Jets so we can help start this rebuild on our defense. Um, we do have Justin Jefferson. We do have Jordan Addison. We need a quarterback and mm-hmm. some pieces on defense. That's a fair sell to your Minnesota Vikings fans who oh, yeah. can kind of see the exact same thing. That window is if you get if you get the right quarterback, that window is wide open for the for the Vikings well, with you, the wide I mean, receivers. You, if you're drafted in the top seven, I mean, last year you had Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, uh, Anthony Richardson. All these guys went in the first four picks, right? And so if you get yourself into the top seven of the draft, and they're one and four already, Rod. And you yeah. trade Kirk Cousins, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, now all of a sudden you're you may not get Caleb Williams, but Drake Bay might be your guy. Well, and you're going to get draft picks for Kirk Cousins, I'm assuming, sure, right? and then yeah. you can trade up potentially higher in the draft right. to get your guy. Well, and, and again, what if Shador Sanders comes out? What if I mean, I know, the, we don't think Shador Sanders like to throw to Justin Jefferson, Michael Penix Jr. There are going to be so yours? many good ones. Yeah, I'm going to say you may be able to get a decent, at least future projected franchise quarterback anywhere in the top twelve. Right. Picks. But you got to right? get there. You gotta get and there. the higher you can get, the better choice yeah. you get to make. But you're right. I mean, and don't you, I mean, Caleb Williams, his dad has been talking about he doesn't, and even Dion. But if you got Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison to start your offense in a decent offensive line, yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Think about that. Yeah, exactly. TJ Hawkinson. I forgot about TJ Hawkinson, too. They just traded for Cam Akers from the Rams. That offense is ready. It's like, man, we just, And they got a good coordinator because Kevin O'Connell, doesn't he call the plays? Yeah, he does. He's a, he's a McVay guy. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I like that. That's, that's yeah. sexy, man. Because the quarterbacks look at that and say, that's not a bad situation. That sounds like a win-win. That's you can a... trade Kirk Cousins on that one. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, Falcons, Jets, and Patriots mentioned his names to watch. We'll keep an eye on that. Texter just says 77 seconds. <laughs> the texter just still thinking about it. This text said 77 seconds. That's all the text says. I love it. <laughs> For the long one. I know exactly what suck. you're talking about. Oh, it's brutal. 77 we seconds. We don't have a game this week to... So it makes forget about it either. Is that good or bad? That's good. It's good. It good it's it's bad for us. It's good. It's That's good for good. the team. It's, it's good, good for the team. I just don't want to think about it. Because I will say, after a loss, I want to play again as a player. I don't want us doing a loss for two weeks. I don't. I think that's fair too. I but don't, same time, I don't I think wanna, they need to get I, healthy. Because I'm thinking about psychologically, I'm thinking about that loss. That after a bad game, the the thing you want to do as a player is play another game. Are you practicing harder? Yeah, but still, practice doesn't do it. You know you have to get there to another game to rectify and remedy your mistake. You can't rectify the mistake in practice. You can you can work on the solutions, problem-solving it, but the, only the game counts on whether you're going to screw it up or not. You can be perfect in practice, go in the game and screw it up, and go, well, I was perfect in practice, nobody cares. Well, and here's, here's <laughs> what I'd say, because sometimes, and I, you know, Rod, I didn't play, you did, but... Sometimes it's better for the because the players are going to be emotional and they want to play, but it's probably better for them to get some rest, get get a little mental break, get off their feet a little bit, get healthy, and uh, let's really drill down analytically on what we need to be better at when we hit the practice field for real. Because Sark did say yesterday the twos and threes are going to get a lot of work this week. They really want to work on their young guys and their young player development uh, and let the veteran players get off their feet a little bit and refresh because it's been a long slog from you know training camp into the first six games. Our first five games, well, here you are, you get a break, and now here we go. Uh, I think that's probably, the, this is the perfect time for the break, win or lose, because uh, now you got six games you can really zero in on. We'll talk about it. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain coming up. Also, uh, preview Rangers, Twins, Astros, actually Rangers, Orioles, Astros, Twins, one more time in our What's Poppin' Picks for the end of the hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. For the top of the hour, we will get some uh, what's popping picks of the night, including uh, it's popping off the internet. Uh, another NFL game with a blonde musician in a box. Did you catch the lady sitting next to Raiders owner Mark Davis last night, Ron? He's a billionaire. Why is it a surprise that he's hanging out with attractive blondes? I just want to know who she was. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say, man, if I was a billionaire. I don't think they're a couple, though. Yeah. Is he He's not. Is he married? I don't know. <laughs> I just he doesn't know. look like a guy that's he built doesn't. for marriage. Yeah, so my point is, like, if I was a actually, s- single billionaire, oh, my God, you see me with a different woman every time you see me. Well, we, <laughs> the internet has done its job. We now know who she is and why she was there, we think. Um, yeah, but Mark, having seen Mark Davis in person, not just on TV, he is as unattractive in person as you would imagine. Well, he's a billionaire, so I know. But his he doesn't haircut, do himself any favors. That haircut. his haircut is awful. I because when I went to the NFL draft with my with my kids two Aprils ago, uh, they had set up and Mark Mark Davis was right there on Hollywood, right there, or on the strip, right just there walking out, on the huh? strip, just hanging out. Well, well, he's about to go on stage on one of the ESPN shows because they set up the stage right in the street. Between uh, the what's the one where the fountains go off? The Bellagio mm-hmm. and, and Paris, and so we were standing there, and there was Mark Davis, and yeah, he's just kind of frumpy and 
He looks like something from one of the Dumb and Dumber characters. So I'm like, come on, <laughs> He's bro. He's pretty eccentric. He is. Because I don't see anything about him being married. Uh, apparently, he is a, a huge foodie. And he like flies around the country just to go to his favorite restaurants and stuff all the time because he's a billionaire. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, and his is his, his, the, the bowl haircut, the chili bowl haircut that he has. That I mean, people don't even know if he goes to a bar where he's doing this himself. We still don't know. Nobody's ever asked him about it, and we don't know if he's doing it himself or he's actually going to a professional to get this terrible haircut. And he sometimes brags about uh, driving a 1997 Dodge Caravan. He's <laughs> outfitted with a bubble top. Mark III conversion kit. Yeah, he's this is weird. Pimping. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's not. He's uh, a weird dude. Yeah. He's eccentric. Isn't he one of the like most broke? Not broke, but just they're, not, they're the, one of the cash most yeah. cash poor franchises. No, they were before oh, they built this new stadium. He's worth only. He's worth less than two billion. Yes. So yeah, for NFL. Well, owners, look, I mean his his father. I know. His father was <laughs> a coach and an owner, and they became an owner, and they he doesn't come from huge money. His father made a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, and he's inherited that. But um, you know he's the he's he's Tommy boy. He needs to get himself a kid. He's the son of the owner and the rich oh, guy. Oh yeah, he doesn't. I, I don't see anything about kids or anything in there. Got to pass it down to somebody. Well, we'll get in what's popping. Who was the blonde? Sure. Hey, who sure was the blonde in the booth? Oh, they got brothers and sisters, maybe or something. I don't know. Also, the picks of the night. We got the Twins and the Astros at three o'clock today. We got the Coast Rangers Coast. and the Orioles. Rangers looking to close out and go to five and zero in the postseason. Uh, they're a streaky team, and they're on a good streak right now with the Rangers. But right now, Rod needs to take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Texas, uh, heading into the bye week now. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right. Let's uh, get some of this Sark audio. Um, I will give Sark a lot of credit. He sat there for about 28 minutes and was... Very um, forthcoming, very honest about a lot of different uh, situations and a lot of the, the the thought processes that he went through and the different plays, good and bad for Texas in the Texas OU game. And one, of course, one of the most talked about sequence of plays was the goal line uh, plays from Texas when the go- the goal line stand happens for Oklahoma. Four plays on the one-yard line. Texas used the jumbo package. Fundre Sweat, Byron Murphy come in, two D linemen. They still can't punch it in. Uh, let's play uh, 11 with the question, uh, please, Ty. Um, here is uh, Steve Sarkeesian when he was asked about the Oklahoma goal line stand. Texas sequence of plays. I believe this is Kirk Bowles of the Statesman. Yeah, Steve, uh, your game plan was Creative as hell with fake punts and save gun red and gunner helmet all. The the four tries from the one. That uh, sucked. Yeah. <laughs> is is that, a... <laughs> do you see that as a, a toughness issue? And did you just no. felt like you should have been more creative there? Uh, I, no, I don't think it was toughness at all. Um, you know, the, the the first down play, you know, their, their kid makes a, a really nice play. He kind of shoots the gap and, and gets into to Jonathan Brooks's legs. Uh, the second down call, um, that was the sequencing of those two calls, and I knew I was going to go with there. Um, and it, the edge, just we just don't get enough of the edge, and we get the ball down to the one again. Quite frankly, if I could do it all over again, I would have changed the third down call. Um, I might have ran what I ran on fourth down, on third down, um, which – I don't know if that's creative enough or not, but I probably would have done that on third down and then gone to something a little bit different on fourth down. So uh, 
you know, I don't call it stubborn, whatever it was, you know, I went back to the first down call on third down and, and obviously not effective enough. And I'd love for us to execute it a little bit better than we did, but um, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes, you know. And so, um, but yeah, it sucked. It sucked. That's basically uh, what Sark is saying there about the goal line. And I just think this is part of your red zone issue too, by the way. It's kind of lumped into this kind of subcategory of your red zone issues that Texas had. But I think Sark was just trying to make a statement, and he was trying to make a bold statement in the Texas you gave. And by the way, I have no problem with him, the statement he was trying to make, which was it doesn't matter if y'all know exactly what's coming. We got so much mass. We got so much girth with these uh, 2,500 pounds of human being coming at you. All right, in this jumbo package, that you won't be able to stop us from getting a yard. And so, I, and honestly, with the big humans that Sark has recruited here, um, shout out to the BMDs uh, that they've uh, been able to, uh, you know, obviously bring together with the Pancake Factory. And they've done a great job of, of constructing the, the biggest, most mammoth offensive line in the Big 12. It is the biggest O line in the Big 12. Problem is, when you got an old offensive line that's that big, you want them to match that size with physicality. And the problem is, in that game, Oklahoma was more physical on the goal line. You were just bigger. And that, that, and you want, you want to be both. You want to be the more physical team and the bigger team, and that's how you end up, you know, obviously being Especially a, on that second play, down play. playing bully ball. Especially on the second down play where they went right and they didn't get a push on the edge at all. And that was that was Gunner Helm too, uh, but to your point that the two that were gut, up the middle and Sark just said he wishes he had you know switched around some plays. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to prove a point. That's pretty clear. But um, you said it that was good coaching by Brett Venable's side because they went off the butt every time. Yeah, who because yeah. wherever Byron Murphy went, they came right off the butt of him, yep. and he could only block one guy. Right? Well, they did he for was, both Sweat and Murphy. They both told on both sides. Go look at all the players. They don't know exactly where the ball's going. They know it's going to go wide behind one of the lead blockers. Right. That's why he always go right off his. So butt. they let they let their teammate get blocked by one one of them and just ran around it, and that's where the runner was coming. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was every right, time. and it, it 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 so it's predictable. It triggered the hole. It it, it uh, gave you a key uh and number 10 the linebacker did it on the first play i mean and by the way on that first play byron murphy crushed a guy uh he the did. other linebacker in the hole yeah did his job but the other linebacker just came mm-hmm. right up right off his butt cheek and there he was to you know shoot the gap i i i, I wish one of the carries hadn't gone to cj baxter too i wish it would have been jonathan brooks all three times if you're going to run it three times the way he's playing I don't right disagree now with that at all. and running through tackles and, and, and cj baxter had limped off the mm-hmm. field earlier in the game I would have liked to have seen Jonathan Brooks with all three carries, but again, you heard Sark say it. He owned it, and uh, that's where it's at. That's got to get better. That's yeah. got to get better. But really, I think there's Kyle Flood and his his offensive staff can really challenge that offensive line, saying, "Guys, you know our coaches, we're going to take heat for that, but you got to be able to get a push. You got to be able to get a push on that right mm-hmm. there. Uh, we need to be better. So that's why this week is you know all the goals are still in place." Uh, the mission is, you know, I, you know, no one on this show or around here picked them to go undefeated this year. No, uh, but you know, if if one loss is it, and you get to eleven and one, and you handle your next six games, mm. and you put yourself back in Arlington with a chance to win the Big Twelve championship, that was the goal. That yep. was the goal. But guess what? When you get back to that Big Twelve championship, if you can, you're going to face Oklahoma again probably, and you better mm. be ready to get a push. Mm-hmm. No, you're right about that. Better match their yeah. physicality. It, you got to. And that's why I said it. And I, they were well coached. I'll give Brent Venables a lot of credit, too. They were ready for that jumbo package. They were well coached and ready for it. And they had countermeasures already in place for Texas's jumbo package. Now Sark has got to go back to the drawing board there. 
Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's hear from Sark and talk about the last offensive drive for Texas. Um, Sark was asked about the time management and game management uh, element of that last offensive drive for them and whether he would have changed anything and whether uh, there was a different uh, you know, rationale that he should have uh, entertained there. Here's Steve Sarkisian. No, I, I would have handled it that, that drive exactly the same. Um, you know, the first down call, we had an RPO called, which, you know, we had been effective with the RPOs during that drive um, and had been really effective all day with them. And, you know, the, their safety did a good job. Quinn kind of got stuck in the middle of pulling the ball, and then the, the window wasn't there for the throw, and we took a sack. And so at that point, now in my mind, where we were really trying to go score and make that the last possession of the game, what I felt like was really important was we got to make sure we get a field goal out of this uh, because we were playing second long football. Um, and so we threw kind of a bubble screen to Xavier, um, which put us in a third and long. Uh, and then coming off that third and long, I, I knew just where Burt was at. I watched pregame. I knew exactly kind of what we needed to get to. Um, and so the, the yard marker was really critical for us to, to get the lead in the game. Um, you throw a pass, it's incomplete. Now you're out of field goal range. You can't make that kick from there. So predicated on the defense they were out there, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing as it pertained to that drive. Okay, now I agree with Sark. Everything that he mentioned there, I wouldn't have changed anything either because he's talking about how the sequence of plays was dictated by that sack. And once you get sacked, you have to recalibrate everything in terms of your uh, thought process about how you're going to score and whether you're pursuing a touchdown or a field goal. you got to get points on the board. And I agree with Sark's, like I said, I, I agree with the thought process and what he just mentioned. My big issue with Sark and my critique of Sark in that final drive offensively was what he did before the sack or what he didn't do before the sack. I think he should have milked a little bit more clock. There were at least four times before that sack, four plays before that sack, where he could have milked more time off of the clock. Clock was running, play clock as well. And here are the uh, the numbers, the seconds left on the play clock when Sark, or Sark, when Quinn snapped the ball, but I'm sure he was under uh, <clears throat> the instructions of Steve Sarkeesian. 28 seconds, 28 seconds, 27 seconds, 23 seconds, and then even after the injury timeout and after the sack, there was one more down where you also snapped it a little early. So if you're just trying to moderately milk the clock, you could have taken... 30 seconds off of the clock easy and still snap the ball with 20 seconds left on the clock on those four or five previous plays uh, prior to you having to settle for the field goal. And, and if you want to go extreme, you could have went extreme and milked the whole clock entirely and, and had the field goal be the last damn play. You could have done either, actually. He tried. He decided not to do either one of those, and he went up-tempo, which I have no problem with, but why not go tempo instead of up-tempo? I think he should have been a little bit more, I don't know, I think he should have been more deliberate in how they milked the clock there. You left 70 seconds, 77 seconds left on the clock for Oklahoma. They only needed 62 to score a touchdown. Think about it. They had 30 less, 30 fewer seconds to score that touchdown. They may not score it. Yep. They may have a different approach because of the time restraints sure. for them. No, you're right. You're right about that. And uh, <laughs> that is a valid criticism, even though he said he wouldn't have changed anything. Maybe. Yeah. And again, again, this is this is the nitpickiest stuff. But we talked about it last year. Well, sometimes when Sark gets into his play calling mode and he's offensive coordinator, might need to need someone to be next to him saying, "Coach, coach, slow it down just a little, just a little." And Absolutely. I don't know if they have that. And that you know, you got headsets and they're all in them. But um, I, I think you're right about that is, is in, in hindsight for sure. And in real time, I know people were saying that. Oh, yeah. 
All right, we'll come back. What's popping, including which local uh, high school football player got shouted out by Randy Moss last night? Randy Moss on Monday Night Football. You got mossed. Also, who is the blonde with Mark Davis and who's going to win this Rangers and Twins game, uh, these Rangers and Astros games tonight? We'll get your picks. Come back. Uh, coming back on What's Popping. What's Popping? Brand new with this hot of the day is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks when you use promo code HOLD. What's poppin'? Final segment of the fabulous fifth quarter and of our five-hour extravaganza this morning. We'll do oh, it again yeah. tomorrow at 6 a.m. Oh, shizzle. Wednesday edition. We'll hear, in his own words, Jerry Jones in his defense of Dak Prescott. And since he told fans, get used to it, he's our quarterback. He's not going anywhere. The quarterback. It's our quarterback. The quarterback. Uh, we'll have that for you. Talking more Cowboys. They, they don't play again until Monday night when they are the Monday night football mm. game, uh, playing the L.A. Chargers off their bye Ooh, week. Ooh, that's going to so many storylines in that one. And the it, Chargers. And it Chargers does, and the Chargers. And it does hey, look Kelly like. Hey, Moore's Chargers, though. And it does look like Austin Eckler will be good to go for that game. The bye week came at the right time for him with that ankle. So Austin nice. Eckler, one of their key guys, will be healthy. They've won back-to-back games coming into that. That should be a fun one next Monday night. Uh, looking forward to that. Speaking of Monday Night Football, Raj, uh, what's popping? How about the uh, Dripping Springs Tigers wide receiver Kyle Cook? Shout out. He got shouted out on Moss last night. Hey. Who got Moss? Want to show the catch, Raj? Watch, watch his catch. Watch his that. catch. His dad posts this. Watch his one-hander. Go up. Oh, one Ooh. hand. Yeah, Mossed him. Hey, this kid's having actually a hell of a season so far. I actually saw some posts about it. Is he, um, is, what's his first name, Kyle? Kyle. Yeah. He played with Austin Novoside last year when, yes. of course, Austin's off to uh, He's actually Oregon having and... a good year. Since we're doing high school shout-outs, let me give one, too. Um, Peyton Morgan. He's a, a, a DB from Pflugerville Weiss. He's, a, he's admitted to Texas Tech. Sweet. Leading the country. No, sorry, leading the state in interceptions right now. Leading he's, got the... se- he's leading the state in picks. He's got seven from Sweet. Pflugerville Weiss. He's a, he's a damn good player. I remember watching him last season because he was on our flex team. He's taking his game to another level. But and Tech actually got a good one. Got him early. Got him on early too. Got him uh, on as a junior. Uh, but right now, got seven picks in seven games. Nice bowling. That's one a game. I can do that. St. Edward's math, <laughs> right? Communications degree. So shout um, out to Peyton Morgan. All right, what's popping? Also, uh, what's okay. Poppin'? So in the booth last night, you had Mark Davis, owner of the Raiders, with a very attractive blonde wearing a Raiders hat. Mm-hmm. Turns out, you know, we've had Taylor Swift in the box with uh, Jason Travis Kelsey. Damn right. Turns out this young lady is also a musician. Her name is Orianthi. 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 O-R-I-A-N-T-H-I. I'm unfamiliar, but I like it. Her real name is Orianthi. Or okay. Orianthi. Uh, her name is Orianthi Pangaris. She's um, she's a musician who lives in Vegas, and she plays guitar. She's from Australia. Um, yeah, she oh, oh. Australia, but lives in Vegas now. Exotic. And she was there because her good friend is the... Uh, 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 oh, she's a guitarist. Right. The she, female guitarist for... Right. What, who is it? What's the band? None of the black ladies. She's a... Right? Am I well, missing well, this? Cindy, um, Cindy's lady? black Santana. Santana. Yeah, Santana's yes. daughter, right? Yes. Carlos Santana's daughter who plays the drums yes. on the Chris Stapleton Snoop Dogg deal. Okay, yes. She I, plays the drums on it. So she was there, and Orianthi was with her. Kind of putting it all together. I do remember seeing her, though. I remember seeing her. And she's foxy. And apparently, oh, Orianthi? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Orianthi. She's cute. I like it. Yeah, okay. That's who that was. You know, Internet did its job. We've tracked down Orianthi. Thank you very much. Also, while we're on Music Rod, what's popping from the uh, the first weekend of ACL Festival, the three big events, Kendrick Lamar was late for his show because of a plane 
problem. Mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar fans were not real happy. He only got about a 40-minute set because he was an hour late because of a airplane problem. Wow. Trying to fly into Austin on How Friday. How do you make that up? You just don't making that up when well, remember, they've got a, late? They've got a time delay. They, they Because of the neighborhood agreement with Zilker Park, they yeah, have to, they got to shut it down. At like, what, 1 a.m. or something No, like it's like 10.30. You can, hear, you can hear it in Westlake. It's, it's like 10.30. It's for the, yeah. That's well, that's, that's why they usually start the closer at 8 o'clock to give them a full two-hour set. But he didn't get there in time. So is that no make good or no makeup for that? You this not for those, but he'll be there wow. Friday night. <laughs> so not for the people that respected him last weekend. Yes. You just screwed. You screwed. Dang, that sucks. Also, uh, I told you about the Austin High marching band getting to come out and open up for Mumford & Sons on yeah. the main stage on that's Sunday night. Cool. That's pretty cool. And did you see the actor Jared Leto? Leto? Jared Leto? He plays, he plays in a band called 30 Seconds to Mars. He's the lead singer. All right. And he like... Repelled in from the top of the stage, like he jumped and he like did like the Navy Seal thing down from the very top down to the stage, and then he brought Matthew McConaughey up on stage with him. Yeah, he's uh, he gets deep into his uh, his roles. He's a big Jared time. Leto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends with Matthew <laughs> Mack. Yeah, who made it from the Texas OU sidelines <laughs> to his show on at ACL Fest. Good job, Jared Leto. You can do that when you got the private with the PJ. Oh man, private jet. The PJ. Unless it breaks down like place. Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> it's true. What do you have, Ron? So. What's popping? I guess so. Uh, what's popping for me? I'm probably actually gonna. First of all, I'm watching a lot more trash TV. I will get Nate. Uh, what's it called? Naked dating or naked? Naked attraction. Naked attraction. I'm gonna get to it. I promise. I got it queued. It's a bye week. You need to be on that. I got it queued up and ready to go on my Max. All right. So I got it queued up. See ready how many to go. dongs you can take before I'm, you have to shut it that's down. That's not <laughs> male dongs. A show called Naked Dating is not a bad idea, though. Uh, that's basically what it is. Naked attraction. It is kind of. That's basically what it is. So it's like love is blind, but you're naked. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. missed this last week. You were out sick. Yeah, I, I remember out. you talking about it early in the week. Naked yeah. dating. So, so it's a dating a, show. It's a dating show. Naked dating. And naked, they reveal the body in three of three parts: bottom to the to the waist, then the torso, torso to the to the, to the, and, the shoulders, and then the face. Yeah, so I want to watch it. You get the bottom first. You get the bottom first. Dongs. <laughs> so do you see the dongs? Is this on you HBO? Yeah, no, they show them. It's HBO Max. Yeah, so they show them. That's, that's why he. That's why he says I'm not gonna last long in it because I mean, just gratuitous dongs. I don't. <laughs> why would I want to just stick around for that? So. I was bored the other day and I uh, I submitted it. an application to one of those shows. Oh my god! Oh, like a dating show? Yeah. Really? You inspired me, dude. You would, they <laughs> they would bring you on just because you'd be entertaining to watch. Would you show your dong on TV? It depends on how much. I was going to go to the shower at the Y if I got to get see a bunch of dongs. I mean, <laughs> I'm confident. Go down myself. to the uh, exactly. Go there the, you go, Ty. It's like I'm confident. Go down, down. Go to the downtown YMCA. Ty's like I'm larger than the out. average. I know I'm bigger than average, so we good. There you go. There we go. Uh, <laughs> what else, Rod? Oh, I, <laughs> sorry, that was way off. <laughs> we got enough dogs. Let me say this: Who's going to win tonight? What's popping? Pick. It's brought to you by my bookie. Yeah. Is Ty going full homer and going Rangers, or what are we doing tonight, Ty? I'm Watching doing, Astros. Doing a little parlay. Uh, three leg parlay. Oh, By the way, I, I, we also have 50 nights of football tonight. Louisiana Tech, Middle Tennessee at 6. Coastal Carolina and App State should be a good game from Boone, North Carolina at 6.30 on ESPN2. Liberty at 5-0 and is at Jacksonville State, 5-1. and That's a 6.30 game. That should be a pretty good game on ESPNU tonight. Uh, Liberty, Jack State. Jacksonville yeah. State plus 6.5. That's the first I one. I like that. Texas. I got it a plus 7, so I'll give you that extra half. Okay, plus 7. And then I will take the Rangers minus 1.5. They hide, baby. They're high. Run line. And then I'll take the Astros money line. You damn right you are. 
Ghost Rose. Good team on the road. That's I want to play the Strohs. Christian Javier. I think, I think everybody on both sides wants that to happen in the postseason. Rangers, de- Astros. I would have, I'd have to go to one of those games. Well, I think the it's Sunday, Rangers Monday, would like Wednesday. To make, yep. By the way, if the, long, if the Longhorns were sitting on this lost OU all week and for a bye week, the Rangers have been sitting on that 40-10 to 10 beatdown in that last series they had. Remember that? Right after Labor Day? Mm-hmm. When the Astros just bludgeoned them? I think the Rangers would like to get, get back at the that. revenge. <laughs> get back at that. So, the yes, revenge, I don't think man. they want to sit on that all offseason. So, yeah, three football games tonight, two baseball games, one at 307, one at 707. Uh, the Ranger game you can hear right here on the horn following the sports po- complex with Patrick Davis. Should be a good night. Rod, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all those games, and Rod will give us a full report on the naked attraction tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to watch Astros, though, first. So. Astros at three. <laughs> hey, Rod, I did watch. Uh, I'm caught up on Billions now, the newest season on Showtime. I'm not caught up on the latest episode. It's good. I, I missed the last Plot episode. Plot twist. Plot twist. Is it really? I know they they're getting deep. I want how many episodes are left? Because this is the last season oh, I too. I don't know. I don't know. They better wrap. They got pretty compelling. They got to wrap stuff up pretty quick, man. All right, with uh, Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, and Axe Capital. People. I don't even know if Axe Capital's real Michael name. Michael Prince Capital now. Oh, you're right. right. NPC Prince Capital. All right, uh, all right. Good stuff, Ty. Would you tell me again? You got the you got the three legs. Jacksonville State plus seven, Astros money line, and Texas Rangers minus one and a half. Mm. Nice. Enjoy right, all the games down. tonight. Enjoy all the other attractions, and we'll do it on a Wednesday. Five hours, five out, five days a week, six a.m. tomorrow. If you missed any of today's program, it's all podcast right there at hornfm.com. All five hours plus coming next, Jim Rome, then Rich Eisen, then Sports Complex with Patrick Ranger Baseball tonight. Have a great one, folks.